Hey, good evening, everybody. Good to see you guys. Hope you guys are having a wonderful week. Actually, can I just say this? Man, right today is way better in the week than it was on Monday for me. So uh, I'm having a, a phenomenal day today. And so uh, we're hoping that you guys have as well. Hey, you know, one of those things I think that everybody deals with is fear. We talked about and, um, you know, one of those things I, I, I heard a story about a guy who uh, had a, a, a really kind of severe phobia. And he, he went to go see a psychologist. He saw the psychologist. Just he told him, Doc, you know, I don't know, man, I don't know how to, to deal with this thing. I, I, I just, when I go to bed at night, I just feel like there's somebody under the bed and I can't control that. So I go under the bed and then when I get under the bed, then I feel like somebody's watching me from on top of the bed. And so I don't know how to deal with this. I'm stuck either way. And he goes, well, Doc listens to him. He says, well, you know, I, I, I feel like I can treat you well. And he says, uh, yeah, just make an appointment. And then you come see me once or twice a week over the next six months. And, and I'm sure that we can take care of that problem. I, I you, you can you can get through this and he you know kind of pats him on the shoulder and the guy goes well, that sounds really good he says but um how much do you charge he says oh, it's 150 dollars an hour and the guy's like, well you know what let me just check i'm gonna check my insurance and all that and and then he goes he walks off and then he doesn't see him for a while and then he he's rock, walking down the street one day they, they bump into each other he goes hey whatever happened I, you know i know that you were thinking about it you had that fear he says well you know i talked to my friend and he said that he could help me for 10 bucks he says what did he say he says he just said cut off the legs of the bed and that solved the whole problem no but uh you know the thing about that is that to be honest that you, we, we wish that was true that that sometimes you could just take care of problems like that by just cutting certain things off but there are some things that that we should get rid of and there's some things we should never lose and this weekend that we're continuing our series called Re uh, restoring the awe of God is one of those things that we should never lose that we should always maintain it's it's a healthy fear of the Lord and so this evening we're going to uh, continue that series by talking about responding to God's word and so would you be kind enough to to stand with me let's stand in reverence for God let's stand in reverence for his word and uh, we're going to read from Isaiah 66 verse 2 if you have your Bible you can turn with me there uh, if you uh, don't you can see uh, on the screens or in your notes but it says it like this let's read together shall we ready begin my hands have made both heaven and earth they have they and everything in them are mine I the Lord have spoken and I will bless those who, with humble and contrite hearts who tremble at my word. And we see in this section right here, we see in this passage, God's declaring at the end of this giant book of, of prophecy, a giant book that speaks of the glory of God in the book of Isaiah, where he says, I made heaven and earth. I've made everything you can see. I've made everything you can't see. And in the middle of all of those things, I am Lord over all things and all things belong to me, he says, but I will bless those who have won a humble and contrite heart and who tremble at my word. And God values those who value him. God values those who value his word. God values those whose hearts are humble rather than being raised up with kind of a personal or, or sinful kind of a pride. And he says that when you have these things, it will help you to be responsive to God, to be responsive to his word. And this is going to be, this is the launch point for our message this evening. So before you're seated, uh, do me a favor. Just turn to your neighbor and just, would you let them know, hey, God knows your heart. And then you can have a seat. 
right? God knows your heart. He says, hey, I want to bless those whose hearts are humble, whose, who have contrite hearts. You know, one of those things is that we hear today uh, probably a lot of different voices. Probably this week, how many of you guys listen to podcasts sometime during the week? Listen to podcasts, yeah. Bunch of us listen to podcasts. How many of you listen to Christian radio? Listen to Christian radio, right? Listen to music. You listen to all kinds. You watch TV. You watch talk. You listen to talk radio, whatever. Like for many of us, that the uh, the. The life is not short on voices to listen to. But I think what is uh, important in the midst of that is not every voice has the equal weight, right? How many of you guys have ever had unsolicited advice in the workplace or among your friends that, hey, something's going on, and they say, hey, can I just give you some advice here and to tell you something? Some of them, you know, they may tell you about investment advice. Some of them tell you, might tell you about relationship advice. Some of them tell you about career advice. But one of the things that I've learned is that there's always people who are willing to give you advice, but one of those things I always look at is if somebody's telling me about, you know, uh, investment advice, I, I want to make sure that, you know, that, that they have some means, right? And it's kind of like would be odd if the, the guy, uh, you know, doesn't have a job and, you know, is struggling by and he wants to tell me how to manage finances, right? I, I, I have a hard time. I've heard people say uh, so often that, you know, people will say these kinds of things. If I was you, I would just leave that person already. And then you listen to that person, maybe been three times divorced and all that kind of a thing. It makes me nervous, right? Because the thing is, it's not by the multiplicity of words that matter, but not every word is of equal weight. And God wants us to come to this place where we understand that his word, that he says this, ought to have the greatest weight in your life. It ought to be the weightiest voice that you hear is the voice that comes from God. In this scripture, it says this, he says, I will bless those who have a humble and contrite who tremble at my word. You know that word, word if you have a, um, a pencil or a pen, I, just, I would encourage you, just circle that word, word. Now, sometimes you hear the word that maybe you're familiar with the word uh, logos in the New Testament. That's Greek. But, but in, in this portion, this is the Old Testament, but it's, it's not the writings. It's not the Ten Commandments that God says. God uses a word, the word dabar, which is actually a, 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 the word speech or um, a, a, like a spoken word. And there are different kinds of ways by which God speaks. For sure, that the word of God is the revealed will of God is definitely the word of God, right? This is the word of God. If you've ever wondered, like, what weight do I give the Bible? I think the Bible is the revealed word of God. It's, it's higher than what your feeling is, higher than what my feeling is. It's, it's, it's weightier than, I don't care if what Elon Musk says about investing. I don't care about what somebody else says about investing. I, my word is, is God's word is, is weightier still on life and faith. And so we understand there is the revealed word of God, the written word of God that all of us ought to aspire to understand and study and internalize. But there is also a spoken word that God can speak to you. That if you've ever heard the whispers of the spirit, that you've ever heard the spirit whisper to you something that 
that it's really just God's direct word to you. Sometimes we use the word rhema in the New Testament, but the word is the bar here in the Old Testament that God can speak to you. Do me a favor, turn to your neighbor and says, God can speak to you, right? How many of you have heard God's voice whisper in that way, right? That I, I hope that you have. If you haven't, you know, we want you to be able to do that. But he says this, that if you want to be able to hear that word, there's a few things. He says that if you haven't been hearing that, that there's some things. First thing he says is there's three things. He says it's humility, it's a contrite heart, and those who tremble at my word. He says that that in that midst of that, he says, I will bless those who have that humble and contrite heart. He's, he talks about this aspect that, that when you, ha- you have a sense of, uh, of humility before God, that you have a dependence on him, that we understand that God is God and I'm not him, right? I'm, there's, there's few things I understand uh, about God. Well, maybe there might be a, a bunch of things I understand about God, but when it comes down to it, the fundamental thing I know is there is one God and I'm not him. Right? I hope you guys at least understand that, right? You could be for the first time in church or your first time listening to a, a message, but I hope you understand that. When we understand that you and God and, and, and myself and God, we're, we're just not on the same plane. You know, sometimes we can um, get confused about that, that, that God's word and your word are, are two totally different things. God desires for you to have that sense of humility. A contrite heart is this aspect of a sense of repentance. It's this aspect saying that when you recognize that you have strayed, when you recognize that you've, you, you've been slack, when you recognize that you haven't pursued as much uh, as you ought to, that, that there's a sense of a turning in our hearts. There's a, a, there's a change of heart. And then he says this, it's this aspect of trembling at my word. Uh, this aspect that says that when God speaks something, it used to be an old commercial, uh, it was a financial commercial called for E.F. Hutton. You guys remember that? It says that it used to be when E.F. Hutton speaks and then they would be on the street, people are walking and they would, that, that somebody would be talking and uh, you can see a guy often like in a suit and he goes like, when E.F. Hutton speaks and they, they stop and they look, everybody stopped and everybody's trying to hear, people listen. And you know what ought to be is that when God speaks, that people stop and people listen. And we ought not to just blow off the word of God. God's word is, God's voice is not something to put the voicemail. God's vo- word is not something that we, uh, we let go to uh, a sense that we look okay and then we turn it over. In the book of 1 Samuel, we see that this doesn't always happen even among the people of God. In the book of 1 Samuel, we, we see a character who was basically the head priest. His name was Eli, and, and Eli had two sons who were also priests under his leadership. And unfortunately, they weren't quite cut from the same cloth. And Eli, um, though he was not a perfect man, wasn't as bad as his sons, uh, who actually, in the middle of performing their duties would take advantage of their influence, would take advantage of their power and began to sleep with the women who came to, to pray, came to take advantage of those who, women who came to worship. And, and for some of them that he, who came, who brought offerings, he says that these sons that actually um, would steal and take by force offerings that they should not have taken. That it's uh, utterly heinous and disrespectful um, and, and, and entirely lacking in the fear of the Lord. 
And Eli, when he gets wind of this, pulls his sons in and says, man, I can't believe the stuff I'm hearing about what you guys are doing. You guys, are you guys crazy? Basically, he says. But all he does is scold them and he doesn't do anything else. He doesn't remove them. He doesn't discipline them. He doesn't challenge them beyond scolding them. Instead, what he does is he delays. He he waits. And then in the middle of that, God has a response to Samuel. And God's response to Samuel, I mean, not Samuel, to Eli is this. He says, why do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings? Why do you give your sons more honor than you give me? Because when we get slow to neglect God or his word, when we get to honor a person above God or our reasoning above God that we end up honoring that more than we honor God. It's a lack of awe of God. And God's response comes in the next verse. In the next verse, this is what it says in 1 Samuel 2.30. I think it's written in your notes, is not? Let's read this together. This is what he says. Ready? Let's read. But I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who think lightly of me. Now those are sobering words and I understand that, that, that this series has, could be challenging in some ways because so often we, we focus on the love of God and we continue to want to focus on the love of God. We've talked about that every, uh, every week that we've been in the midst of this series and today I want you guys to know that God loves you and that nothing will change that, right? God loves you, he cares for you as you are. He cares about you as you are. Turn to your neighbor and says, God cares for you and loves you just as you are. Right? But let's not be mistaken to think that God wants you to stay as we are, right? That, that all of us, that we, we are loved as we are. And the love of God, it, it outlasts all of eternity. But he says, he doesn't want us to stay as we are. Did God love Eli's sons? Yes, he did. But he said this, I despise those who think lightly of me. Now, unfortunately, the word despise uh, is, is maybe not the best translation in this particular uh, translation here in, in, in the New Living. And, 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 and a number of translations use the word despise, but it actually comes from the Hebrew word which means small or trivial or insignificant and uh, maybe kind of having the, the sense of saying, having little account for. And what he says is this, is if you, if you don't give weight to me and my word, then I will think very little about you in terms of weight and a sense of, uh, of, uh, of kind of significance. That, that God can love us, but he just understands this. But hey, we're just, we're, we're just, we're just down. We're, we're, not, we're not a person of significance, he's saying. Because he will think of us as trivial. When you treat God as trivial, he says, that at the end, that what he'll say is that, I think that you've got that mistaken. And one of the things is, uh, I can only understand that to think a little less than you. You see, it says that to the wise, God is shown as wise. And that at the same time that to those who are crooked, God might be shown himself shrewd. You see, sometimes that God reflects back to us that what we give to him. 
And so he says this aspect, although we're loved and though we are cared for, God says this, that one of the things he says he values is he values those who value him. And he values those who have an awe and a holy fear of him. So this evening, if we want to reestablish and restore our awe of God, it begins with realigning our hearts with a holy fear of the Lord. And now how do we do that? This, this brings me to the second point. Just three points tonight. I kept you guys super long last week, so I'm going to keep you short tonight. <laughs> so uh, it's just this thing. It's the second thing is this. Respond to God's word quickly. Respond to God's word quickly. We need to repent, I think, at times of casual attitudes that we can have to God and his word. God's written word. God's written word, again, is the revelation of his will. It's the way God, uh, God sees things. It's the way things are that he gives us and reveals to us so that we can understand for all of time, regardless of what you feel, regardless if you can hear his voice, that God says, let me reveal it through, to you through the prophets. Let me reveal it to you through the apostles. And he says this. And so that if we find ourselves in this place where the, the awe of God that we began by saying, oh my God, God is so wonderful, God is so mighty, and that we, we get nervous and, and in the middle of that before him, not because we are wondering whether we're loved, but we've never been in the presence of someone so awesome and someone so wonderful that, that sometimes it does, that it, it just leads to awe in us. He says that let us not lose that. And one of those things he says is instead, would you change your heart? Instead, would you change your attitude? Because when you change your heart and you change your attitude, then your behavior changes, right? That whatever change starts in the heart, that when you start in the heart, that it'll play itself out in our actions. And the Bible says a lot about obedience because God wants you to obey him so he can bless you. That his instructions, he says, are for your good. But he also tells you how he wants you to obey him, right? And um, I, I remember uh, when my kids, during the pandemic, that uh, remember my youngest son, that um, when they didn't go to school, right? Every, all the school was online, and it was like 8 o'clock, and I was thinking like, Buddy, you gotta get out of bed here. And I, I open the door and knock on the door, open the door, and say, Hey, are you up and ready for it? Because we I hadn't heard anything, you know, you just kinda looking for the signs of life at times in the house. And and I open it up, I open the door, and he's totally lying on in his bed, sleeping still. I said, Hey, school starts in like five minutes, right? And, and uh, it had maybe even less than that at that point. He goes, yeah, yeah, dad, don't worry. And he says, and then at, as soon as at 8.05, he just hit, bing, and you know, he's in the Zoom call. And, and then he was just kind of going like that, right? Just kind of lying there. And I, I was just saying, Sam, we gotta talk about attitude a little bit, right? Uh, because I think the thing is that, yes, you were there, yes, but were you attentive? Were you engaged, right? And so this is what God says, that God gives us a little bit of instruction that God doesn't want you just kind of lying in bed, right? Kind of like, and that's, that, that's your life in, with God. Instead, he says this in Psalm 119.60. Let's read what that says. Ready? Begin. I will hurry without delay 
to obey your commands. God wants you and I to obey quickly. God wants you and I to obey immediately often. That God wants us to be, to be quick to obey and not slow to obey. He wants us to be quick to believe and not slow to believe. Jesus was walking one day uh, at the, uh, on the day of his resurrection and he walked with some of the disciples who um, didn't know that he had resurrected and they're walking uh, Cleopas it says on, on the road to Emmaus and, and Jesus walks alongside them and they don't re recognize who he is but they begin to talk and he, he says hey where are you guys going to get into this conversation and, and he says well you don't I can't believe you don't know anything that's going on and you know, he gets into this place and then it says in the midst of that Jesus begins to preach a message about all of the time in the Old Testament, I wish I could have heard that conversation. All of the moments in the Old Testament where, where Jesus was displayed in every prophet, in every book, it says in every book he's explaining and then he says this to them. But oh, you who are so slow of heart to believe, right? How many of you guys know that that's not an encouragement, right? How many of you know that's not, that's not a compliment? And, and God says this, he says that sometimes we can be slow to believe and sometimes we can be slow to respond and slow to obey. You know, when my oldest son was in middle school, yeah, I, I don't know why, but when it comes to this aspect of obeying quickly, I, I can get a lot of children's story, but uh, you know, I'm not sure why that is, no. But, uh, but one of those things that when he was in middle school, uh, they had this new policy in, in the middle school and it was called uh, kind of like a no child left behind and, and, and it was this, uh, this idea that they didn't want any child to fail and so that he somehow got in his head was that when assignments were due because we would see his folder and we would want to ask to see his folder because he, he had had some challenges uh, on his self-management and that we would see things and, and they say don't you have any homework to turn in are you working oh no I'm fine I'm fine and and then weeks and weeks went by and he would say did you turn in your paper no no I can just turn it in at the end and I was thinking are you sure this is the way that it works and she said you guys don't understand or whatever and then a, a, a few weeks after that we had this parent teacher conference and when we met with the the teachers they, they explained that yes, they did have this kind of uh, no child left behind and, and instead of saying that if kids didn't turn in their work, because there were assignments to be turned in. He said, just said this, if you didn't turn it in, they didn't give you an F. Instead, they said um, just something along the lines of um, uh, kind of a yet to succeed, you know, like not quite hitting success yet. And, but you know what that really meant? If you don't turn it in, you fail. But, but he, he didn't understand that. And, and so what did he think? He thought like, hey, I have forever to the end of the semester. But how many of you guys know what happens when that happens? You just get, start getting overwhelmed, right? More and more behind. And when we had this conference with the, um, with the, the teacher and kind of explaining this, I said, I, you know, we're not here to tell you guys how to do this, but I think this system sucks <laughs> because I think it's teaching kids to just procrastinate. 
And you know, the thing is that what happens is that they have no desire to turn in on time. They have no tire in time. They have no incentive to meet a deadline. And thankfully, that they agreed with that by the end of the year that this system was just tossed out because they found that what, how many of you guys know that sometimes what sounds good in a conference somewhere that when you put it into life in real life, that it doesn't quite work, right? That sometimes we can have this kind of an aspect because that's not the way life works. And God says this, that for us, that it's so easy, he understands for us that when we hear God's word to say, yeah, 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 I got it. I'll take care of it. I'll do it when? Later, right? You guys ever say that? God, I'll do it later. But to God, delayed obedience is disobedience. That delayed obedience is disobedience. Jesus tells this story in Luke chapter 14, verses 16 to 21. And by the way, when we talk about these things, is, is this, is this have anything to say that God doesn't, is not loving? No, right? Does this have to, to say anything that if you, if you haven't listened, if you disobeyed and you, you've said it off today, that God doesn't care about us? No. But we don't understand the ways of the kingdom and God wants us to understand his ways is that when he says something, he actually expects to be obeyed, right? Some of us think that we, we, we say the words that rules are meant to be what? To be broken. But is that, are rules meant to be broken? Of course not. Rules are made because somebody violated something in the past. Rules are made to be followed. But we understand that sometimes the heart of people that we want to break rules. And so Jesus tells a story in Luke chapter 14. He says this, that Jesus replied with a story, he said. And he said, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to tell the guests. He says, come, the banquet is ready. And they all began, began making what? Excuses. Let's say the word excuses. Yeah, what kind of excuses did he give? He says this, one said, I just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I bought five pair of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. And the servant returned and told his master what they had said. And, his serv and the master was what? Totally understanding, right? No problem, you guys. Like, is that what it says? No. It says, actually, the master wasn't just irritated, but the master was furious, right? And it, it uses the word angry. It uses the word like with, with this, that orge, it uses this very strong word for a, almost a violent anger. And why did the master feel that way? Because in the midst of the gracious invitation, Jesus is telling the story. Guess who's the master? Him, right? He's the master. Guess when he makes an invitation, he says that what kinds of excuse were given? He says, one said, I bought a field and must inspect it. He had, he had a business uh, investment, right? He, he bought a he, he bought a investment and he wants to inspect his investment make sure that it, it is what he's thinking it's just like because he's excited he wants to see that right it's like hey man i've been praying for this i've been believing for this and and so it's come and so i thank you but i i gotta go visit this thing i gotta go check it out because man that's all i can be thinking about in other words what does he do he places lesser value 
on the master's invitation. The second one is, he says this, I, I bought five oxen, and what is that? It's really a work kind of investment, right? That they was meant to kind of help him in farming, meant to help him in plowing fields. It's their beasts of burden. Do you need to check out your oxen right away? No, you don't. But he says, I want to, right? I, I want to try them out. Like, is he, is he really going to farm? And is he really going to kind of plow right now? You know, he just wants to check it out, he's saying. And, and so in the middle of that, he says, so he says, excuse me. And the other one says, I just got married, so I can't come. And, and so the other one, it's a relational issue, right? And so he says, blaming his wife all of a sudden. I'm like, how many guys, that's not the first guy to do that. But, uh, right, so we find this aspect that, that, but all of them are excuses nonetheless. And so what does he do? That if we read the story, continue to read the story, it says the master then says, forget these guys. Instead, go out and go into the highways and the byways and invite anybody who will listen and that to the people who hear this invitation to come to this wedding, to come to this feast, he says that would, then we let them in and then all of a sudden that the people who were first given missed the biggest opportunities of their life. They missed their window of opportunity. Their excuses might have seemed harmless. Their excuses might have seemed understandable. But none of them were urgent. None of them was critical. None of them begged for that attention at the moment. Instead, they just were slow. And maybe someday, maybe later. Later on in, in not later on, earlier in the same book in, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus is walking along the road and he's with the disciples and he says um, to these people, well, one guy says this, Lord, let me come follow you. And he says, yeah, go ahead, come on. And, and then he says, oh, but I, I gotta go do something first. And then the next person comes on. He said to another person, he says, come follow me. Let's say the words, come follow me. You know, if you listen, if you... I, I challenge you to, to think in terms of this. If you've, have you ever heard that verb? We've heard those phrases before, right? Come follow me. But they've only been used, and to the best of my knowledge, they've only been used when Jesus has called the apostles. He, does, he hasn't said this except to the rich young ruler and to this man. And he says to him, come follow me. I, I think this come follow me is not simply a hey, just come be one of the boys, come out and hang out. I mean, to be honest, it's a high honor. It's being invited into the inner circle with Jesus. And the man says this, the man agreed, but he said what? Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Now, if you've not heard this before, one of those things is it, it could sound like a kind of a, a hard, you know, rejoinder to, to the man's comment. If we didn't understand that it's not that his father was dead, it was a sense in which someone would say, hey, you know what, I, I'll do this and I'll follow you and I'll do all those things after my parents die. <laughs> after they die, 
and and then they're buried then i i I won't i won't worry about them they won't worry about me then i can come in and go do that thing and it was meant to be kind of a a time that just like when is that but we don't know right it's just in other words he's saying this i i'm giving voice that this is important but the reality is this is more important to me now one of the other things that may not be so clear is that it was usually the oldest son's responsibility just like in a lot of asian families that when a parent dies who's responsible the oldest son it's it's that way in the middle east as well and so it's the oldest child and but there is also a responsibility but there's also a benefit for that it's called the double blessing what does that mean is that if you have two sons the oldest son if he takes care of his parents till they pass away that he gets two-thirds and the younger son gets one-third the double blessing that makes sense so there's a financial incentive and what he's really saying is i gotta get the bigger part of the inheritance first is what he's saying that's that's really what he's saying but here's the hard part is that he may have got the bigger inheritance but he missed the opportunity of a lifetime now i don't know how that would have worked in the sense of because it still only has 12 tribes of israel there's 12 apostles maybe maybe uh maybe we wouldn't have had paul i don't know what what the, the thing is but if he had said yes but can i, I there's there's something i i am learning about this how has have i have you ever been kind of delayed and god told you to do something yeah i i wish i i have obeyed god all the time but to be honest there's a portion uh in, in Matthew where it says this is after you're giving an offering and and while you're giving an offering realize that somebody was offended by you what does he say he says go leave the offering go be reconciled right go be reconciled and then complete your offering you know I didn't it came uh, I was made aware that that somebody got offended by something that I had said you know not just like in a message but some like little personal interaction and and I was wondering, I was asking this person, hey, where's this guy? I haven't seen this guy. And, whatever, because, and you know, it's kind of hemming and hawing. I said, you know, oh, somebody said something. And I said, oh, who is that? I said, that wasn't me, was it? And the person goes, yeah, it was you. And I said, oh, wow. And he says, man, I, I, I should go apologize right away. And he says, no, 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 don't go apologize. Why? Because they're going to find out that I told you. You know what I mean? Right, so somebody tells me that. And I hate when you find out something like that, right? So I, I delayed, why? Because I didn't want him to look bad. But I shouldn't have delayed because God's word should have a higher weight. It's a, it's, it's a regret that I have. I wish I had done it immediately. I didn't. Now, here's a principle I'm learning is that anytime God gives a stated command without a specific date or time, that he wants you to do it now. If he says, come follow me, he means when? Two days from now, five days from now? No, he says, he means now, right? He means now. If he says to you, hey, forgive those who have, uh, have kind of persecuted you, what does he mean that? Like someday? Like, hey, when you get over it? No, he, he means now. 
right? If he says, hey, next year, forgive them. Then, he says, then you got next year to, to forgive them. Now, when, when our kids were growing up, and uh, my wife would be making dinner, and she would say, hey, tell the kids to come down in five minutes. When does she want them to come down? Five minutes, five minutes. But if she just says, hey, tell the kids come down. What is she, when does she want them to come down? Now, yeah, right? God's the same way. That, that when he says something, if he doesn't say, hey, do it later, do tomorrow when you do this thing, right? In the future when you do this thing, that God tells you this, that God actually wants you to do it now. You know? There have been times when I've asked God, God, what do, you, do you have anything to say to me? And God whispered, I remember, we were in Israel on the Sea of Galilee, I remember. We just had this wonderful experience and I, I just prayed and I asked the Lord, Lord, is there anything, you know, we just, was a tremendous time and I just remember saying, Lord, if you have anything that you want to say to me, would you just let me know? And I, I didn't expect to hear anything and the Lord said to me, believe me for more. Guess when God wanted me to do it? Like someday? No, today. I want you to start believing me for bigger things. And so, I don't know about you, but has God spoken to you about anything? And have you done it? Because delayed obedience is disobedience. And if we want to restore our awe of God, if you want the blessings of God, He wants you to follow Him quickly. He wants you to listen to him quickly. He wants you to believe him quickly. Don't be slow. Don't be slow. Will, will he still love us? Of course you'll still be loved. But something at times can happen. You can miss opportunities. Now has ever God ever told you something that hasn't made any sense to you? <laughs> okay, we can hear that. Thank you for sharing that, Jasmine. No, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if we're honest, right, that we've all heard stuff where God has told us to do something and it doesn't make any sense to you. I remember when I was a, a newer Christian and um, I was uh, parking my car and I felt like the Lord said, go talk to this person, right? The security guard that was driving around in the University of Hawaii parking lot. Did I know the park? Did I know the security guy? No. Did God tell me what to say? No, right? And so you know what was my first response was, wait, wait, are you talking to me, God? <laughs> right, like, a, like, wait, what, that, that guy? It, it didn't make any sense. What, what do I say? What do I do? I, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. It just didn't make any sense. I literally, I did walk up to the guy. He says, hey, you know, I just wanted to come up because I felt like God wanted me to come up and talk to you. And the guys were like, what? It's the security guys. And they're kind of chuckling, laughing. And, and he says, what did, what did God want to say? He said, to be honest, I don't know. I, I think God just is saying that he cares about you and, and that he wants you to know him. And uncomfortable silence. Kind of like now. No, but uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> okay. And it didn't make sense to me. But you know, in that season of my life, I was very quick to obey, Right? And it didn't matter if I understood it, didn't matter if I understood everything, how it worked. If I could do it, I generally did it. But you know what happens sometimes as the older you get? You have this thing is that I'm older now and you get this thing where you get, I have wisdom. Just let's say this thing, I have wisdom, right? And so when you have wisdom, 
Don't let your wisdom talk you out of obedience, right? Because sometimes this is what it says that when, oh, today now I have a little bit more wisdom than I did when I was a new believer and, you know, just kind of like, so if God whispers something to you, I don't ever want to be a person who ever tries to talk you out of obeying what God said for you to do. I may ask you, I may question and just say, are we sure this was God? How do we know this is God? I may say, is this consistent with his word? I may be saying, is this a wise move? Is this, you know, I could be, we could ask those kinds of things. Um, but God's told me at times things that didn't make any sense to me. Anybody here ever have a financial difficulty? Okay, like, come on. Everybody should raise their hand. I'm like, unless you guys always continually rich, right? You're like, you guys were rich your whole life, every single moment. And let's have lunch afterwards. You can pay, but uh, right. So I mean, we've all had that kind of a situation. Right? I remember there was a season in in our lives. I was talking to the staff about it um, last week or this week. Is that that uh, I had an idea? You know, one of those things I I found was when they say, if you're gonna ever start a business, do something that you know and do something that you love, right? And so you know one of the things that I know how to do? I know how to do weddings. I've done a ton of weddings, right? And you know, as a result of doing weddings, you know who I tend to meet? Other people who participate in the weddings, like photographers and, and videographers and people who play music. And, and, and sometimes I've met people who do makeup and do all that kind of stuff, right? You start meeting these people, right? And so guess what idea happened when, when we were going through a financial difficult time that I thought I would start a business. What kind of business? A wedding business, of course. I know the people. I, I started writing up a business plan. I started writing about all the contacts. I started writing up this thing. And my contact and my, my emphasis was going to be to do it for Japanese weddings. Why? Because I have half a Japanese wedding already, right? Like I have a, I have a translator in my house. I have someone who can speak. And, and the thing is that because I don't know if you guys know this, but Japanese, when they come from Japan, they spend a ton of money on weddings, right? They, they do it all up, right? And, and, and so my, my thing wasn't to just, you know, because um, I didn't have, I don't have a chapel. I don't have a thing. And so I, I was thinking about doing it kind of like stuff like on a, kind of a, a beach setting or whatever it is that people wanted to do something along those lines and just kind of a little different niche, a little bit of a different thing. And, and so one day in the morning, we're having coffee and I said, hon, I have this idea. I just, I, I cannot say this was from God, but this is my thing. Let's do this wedding. And I, you know, we'll have the guys like that, some of the worship team guys that they can play at the wedding. And you know what we can do? We can pay them so that those guys, they can kind of increase their, their, their income and you know what and it's like as it grows that I won't have to do all the weddings but we'll have staff guys do them why because hey they could get extra money too right so hey everybody right and it's like guys who do the video we have video guys they'll do it they get paid for the product and I was just thinking hey this will spread all the wealth around and isn't this a great idea and my wife's response was I think a wedding is ministry and we shouldn't try to get rich off of that. I said, no, 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 honey, yeah, 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 that's true, that's true. But let me explain to you, this is how it'll work, right? This kind of, and I'm trying to explain it, and my wife goes, yeah, 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 but this is, I, I don't think God wants us to do that. I said, well, hon, they're not even in part of the church, right? They're not even part of the church. They're, they're coming from overseas and this and this. And I said, yeah, no, but we'll counsel them and we'll try to share the gospel, try to lead them to Christ and do the whole thing. And, 
but they're gonna pay somebody, they might as well pay us, right, rather than someone else. And my wife says, I, I don't think so. I, I don't think this is a good idea, Glenn. I don't think this is God. And so as a good, dutiful husband, I was all salty. No, but, uh, right. You know when your wife tells you no and it rain on your parade and the whole thing and, and so as a, as a good husband who still needed to provide, I said, I don't care what my wife said. I'm going to do this thing is what I thought, right? Until like the next day, I'm working on it and like literally, I don't care what my wife said. I don't know how I was going to do it without my wife anyway because I cannot answer the phone. I cannot communicate and all these things. But she was an integral part. The big hiccup, right? But here's the second big hiccup was then God said no. God said, he just said no. You're not going to do that. And there was no explanation. There was no... This is the ministry. There is none of that. God just said no. He, he didn't say it wasn't a good idea. He just said, you ain't doing it. Did I understand why? Not really. But guess what? I closed the file and I put it away and I haven't really looked at it since. Because what I understood is that I got to obey God before I obey my reasoning. Right? And guess what? God wants you to obey God before you obey your reasoning. Because is it reasonable? Is this a reasonable thing for God to tell Joshua and the, the leaders in Israel to go walk around the fortified, monstrous fort, fortress of Jericho, whose walls were not just simply high, but they said were so wide that they could ride a chariot on the top of it, is that to walk around that wall seven times, once every day on the seventh day, walk around seven times, and then not say anything, and then all of a sudden yell at the end of the seventh time, and the walls will fall down. Was that reasonable? No. If we get, tried to give this plan to the military, guys, hey, this is, maybe this is how we should deal when we you know, uh, invade the, the city of Fallujah or whatever. Like, you know, they would have said that, thank you, for, uh, thank you for your plan, but I think you're smoking crack, right? So there's, there's some things, right? It's not a literal battle plan. It's, but it's God's word in God's direction. And he expected them to follow it. Was it reasonable for Peter and John and the rest of the disciples when they were told to stop preaching the gospel lest they do to them what they did to Jesus? Was it reasonable for them to say, I don't care what you say, but I'm gonna keep preaching? Was that reasonable? Well, not if you value your life, right? And so, was it reasonable for God to ask Abraham to sacrifice his son? No, it was unreasonable. So many things in the Bible, when God speaks to people, it's unreasonable. That there's not a reason that's given. They're just told to obey. But they considered God to be holy and righteous. And so they didn't let their personal reasoning override 
God's direct command. But what if God, what if you don't understand what God's saying? What if you don't understand that God's asking me to do this thing, right? <clears throat> Sometimes you guys don't understand. You guys ever, like I've not understood at, at times. And you know what, you can ask God to clarify. I don't know how to follow certain things, right? But, but how many of us have ever had that? Somebody ask us, maybe when you were a kid, you asked your parents, why do I have to do this? Anybody, what's kind of a, those of us, right? So most of us, we're not that young. So what kind of a response did you get when you said, why? Why do I have to do that? What's the response you normally got? Because I said so, right? Because I said so. I've used that. Because I said so, right? And the thing is that when you say that because I said so, are you just mad because they questioned you? No. It's just that sometimes what we're really saying, what they're really saying is that you're not quite old enough to understand, but you got to trust me in this that I actually do know better, right? And I'm saying this for your own good. Right? And to be honest, if you tell your kids that when they're asking you, why I got to do this? Generally, you know, it sounds exactly the same as because I said so. <laughs> right? um, but that's usually what, what I said so means. And, but the thing is that if you're saying here that, hey, you know, I'm a millennial. Millennials always have to hear the reason why we did Like, did, did God give Abraham a reason why he had to sacrifice his son? Did he give Joshua an explanation about why he needed to walk around seven times? Did God give a reason to, th there's no reasons that are given, right? It's just God says, and he expects you, if you know him, he expects you to trust him. And so God doesn't always tell you why. God doesn't always tell me why. Now, sometimes the reason why God doesn't tell us why is maybe even sometimes if he told you why, you wouldn't do it even more so because you'd be more afraid, right, uh, about things. But, but the thing is that here's what happens. The more you lean into following, you know what? Something happens. You start changing and I start changing. And then what we start finding is that what God is looking for is not the power that you have to do it. It's the willingness that you have to do it that releases God's power is that when you are willing to do it and when you are willing to say, God, even though I don't understand it, that is often the part where it releases his power to do it. Because it actually, it says in Philippians 2.13, what does it say? Let's read what it says. For God is working in you, right? Giving you the desire and what? The power to do what pleases him. You see, if you have the desire, God will give you the power. Right? He'll even give you the desire over time. The more you follow him, you want to follow him. And then he says this, what's the power? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. So often, God seems like, it seems impossible at times to do what God calls us to do. But sometimes, if we're not careful, we listen to our reasons we listen to our preferences we listen to all the different ways that we do it and God doesn't always tell you what he didn't tell us does it make sense to forgive those who persecute you right or does it make sense to forgive those who have hurt you and wounded you does it make sense to bless those who who have taken advantage of you it doesn't always make sense but this is his call this is his instruction 
And sometimes when we're young, maybe we say crazy things and you test God just to make sure that's God, right? When you're not sure in the beginning, that sometimes we call that putting out a fleece. That's Gideon, where he says, God, if it's really you, God, would you, would you make this fleece wet in the morning, right? And all the ground around it dry. And, and so that happened the next day. And then the, so he says it was that way. And then he says, God, because God's asking him to do something very, very dramatic, uh, asking him to go to war, asking him that he's never been to war. He's not a man trained for war. And God's telling him, go to war. And then he says, well, God, if this is really you, can you do the opposite now? Now make the ground all wet and make this fleece stay dry. What is he doing? He's just asking God, God, am I really hearing you? And so these are not signs of great faith. It's the signs that when you're in the beginning stages, right? That sometimes, we, hey, we, we gotta make sure that this is God and I'm not just crazy. But God wants you to trust him in your personal life. God wants him to trust you with your family life. God wants, him to, God wants you to trust him with your business life. God wants you to trust him with your school life. He's just saying, God wants you just to trust him. And you know what? The thing is, he won't always tell you why. The, the things that he tells you to do. In Deuteronomy 29, 29, let's read what it says. It says this. Let's read. Ready? Begin. The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. We are not accountable for them, but we are, but we and our children are accountable forever for all that he has revealed to us so that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. I love what that says because it's saying, you're not responsible to know everything. He's not holding you according to that. There's some things he won't tell you. There's some things he won't say in the moment. He says, you're not accountable for that. You're only accountable for the things that he has revealed. And he says, these things that we are to obey them and all the terms of his instruction. And you know, the thing is that what happens is sometimes God will call you to do something and it doesn't make sense. I remember there was a couple in the church that uh, owned um, a, a flight instruction company in Hawaii and actually one of the biggest flight um, schools in Hawaii and they were coming to church and um, uh, you know he'd asked me to come fly with him check out his plane and all that and and that was fun and all that and and then they had some crazy stuff and happening in their in their business and it seems like whether it was things were like breaking and things were missing and things it just seemed like everything started going wrong and then and he was a relatively new believer and she was a little more seasoned but they felt like God told them just call a pastor come pray for him pray for the company pray over the pray over the buildings and so they didn't understand that they didn't understand why they just called so we began to pray we began to walk around walk through their facilities and claim God's authority over it. And he was new in many ways to this whole kind of a thing. But things began to change, right? The less things, they, they, there was better attitude in work and there was less uh, conflict that was happening with their neighbors, all of those kinds of things. Why? Just because they disobeyed and they were quick to obey. 
There's a brother in a church who heads up a, a development company in, uh, in our area, right? Been around for a long time. And, and there was an idea that came up that, hey, I, they've built market homes. That's all they've done. Market homes, all just individual homes. And they thought like, hey, maybe we should bid a project to do Hawaiian homes. But we've never done a Hawaiian homes. But somehow just this idea was per- percolating that God wanted him to bid this thing for Hawaiian homes. And so they started to put a team together and they did all this thing and ended up building these wonderful homes, right? Kanahili. Beautiful homes. People from the church live in those homes. Because they just had an idea that came from God. God started to whisper. Even though they'd never done it, they didn't know how to do it, and began to do it. Or a friend who had a multi-million dollar deal in his company to kind of partner with an online travel company. They've been working this deal for a long time. We pray about it. We talk about it in small group. And then one day he comes back and he says, the deal just blew up. The whole thing just blew up. And he was so mad and he was so discouraged. And he didn't know what to do. Like he, he just was, he just wanted to quit. He just felt like God left him and all this kind of stuff. I've been working this thing for so long. And it's like, and it can just die like this. And I just felt like the Lord said, just pray for a resurrection of the deal. And so I said, hey, can we pray? I said, you know, God can't just raise the dead. He can raise dead deals, right? And we just laid hands on them, and we just said, Lord, we know every, <laughs> they stopped talking. They stopped talking about the deal. We know the deal is dead. It had been dead for weeks, actually. But we just say, Jesus, if you can raise, if God, if you can raise Jesus from the dead, we know it's no big deal for you to raise this Expedia deal. And then a week or two later, he comes to a life group. And he says, guess what deal is back together? Right? And it's, it's because simply when God whispers something, I could have said, I don't know, that makes, I don't want to offend him. I don't want to make him feel bad or whatever. I could have said all of those things. But God just expects us to obey him quickly. There's some things, you and I, that when we get in the habit of obeying quickly, even when it doesn't make sense, even when that, you know what, to be honest, you just place it higher than your higher than your priority, higher than your word, higher than your reasoning. You know what God says? He says, I can honor people like that. Because when you honor me and you honor my word, then I can bless you. Does that make sense? And I love what it says that if you, you see what it says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says it like this. Can we read that together? It says this. Trust in the Lord. We all know this. Trust in the Lord with how much? All your heart. And do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. He says when we do this, we just restore the awe of God 
in our lives. And sometimes we restore the awe of God in our corporate time together. That we need to restore that aspect by just saying, you know what, it's not the song they sing, it's not the temple, whether I know the song, I like the song, you know what, just worship me with all that you have. Let's bow our heads, we're closing a word of prayer. Father, this evening, I know it's a simpler message, and Father, just the fact that for us to be responsive to you and to be responsive to your word. And Father, I pray that you would forgive me. Lord, would you forgive me? And if that's you, would you just tag along me? Would you forgive me when I've treated your word as optional? When you've whispered to me, when I've read something in your word that I haven't prioritized it. I didn't think it was important. I realized that what I was doing when I, when I did that was I was saying it was trivial to me. And Father, I just, I want to change. I want to change my attitude. And God, would you forgive me that there's been times I've been slow. And I said, when you've whispered something, I said, God, I'll do it later. And so Father, I repent that there's times I just, I'm slow when I need to be quick. Would you help me, Lord, to see things the way you see things? And God, forgive me for those moments when I trust in my own wisdom and my own control and my own resources rather than following you and yours. I ask for faith, God, to receive your word and to bring godly people around me and counsel. But Lord, I want to restore the awe of God, not simply in my life, God, in our church. And Lord, it only happens when collectively that we all just say, God, there's no one like you. That, Lord, we long to hear your word, but we also long to follow your word. And with our heads bowed and eyes closed, if there's somebody out there that, would you know that God's word to you is not only that you're loved, and he's not trying to prove to you that, that he's great and mighty. He is. He just... But he's just saying this, that he wants you to come and experience the grace and mercy in Christ. And he knows that you haven't always done it. He knows that you've made your mistakes, but this is the good news. He loves you anyway. He cares about you anyway. And he knows that you've doubted, and he knows, that, and you know what? And he loves you anyway. And this is all he's saying. He just said, just come to me, and I'll make it right. He says, come to me, and all will be forgiven. Come to me, and just turn from what you know is wrong. He says, I'll forgive you. And if you've never done that before, I just want to invite you to, to pray a very simple prayer. Just to say to him that, God, I'm sorry. I've sinned. I haven't listened. But today I know I need you. Would you come live inside me today? Thank you for Jesus that he died in my place. God, I put my trust in him. Lord, it's, it's not about what I can figure out, but it's listening to you and following you. Would you lead me and would you guide me? Would you forgive me and would you renew me? Thank you for Jesus who paid the price. I receive him today and I want to know you more and bless you. Thank you for blessing me. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Hey, God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us today. If you said yes to Jesus today, let us know. You can text us on uh, 808-793-5655, and we'd love to be able to give you some helpful information. Thank you for tuning in to the New Hope Couple A Messages podcast. We hope you enjoyed this weekend's message and that it brought you inspiration and encouragement in your journey of faith. If you'd like to listen to more messages or stay connected with us, visit our website at newhopecapole.org or follow us on social media. Remember, no matter where you are in life, there is always hope and a new beginning in Christ. So let's continue to grow and learn together as we pursue a life of purpose and impact. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Aloha and God bless.